0: I have been following the Johnny Depp trial, as
1: is 90% of America, but also, like, why? Like, why? Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher.
0: And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to I See Why I Am I. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Madison, I have some news. Tell me the news. So, we have a very famous fan. stuck. Do you know Dan Howell of the infamous Dan and Phil? Yes. Yes.
1: British YouTuber. Honestly, can't say I've thought about Dan and Phil in five to seven years. But yes, I know who you're talking about. Okay, that's that's honestly
0: good for you. I will say that in those five to ten years, um, both of them have come out as gay. And then they are now also dating each other. Also, Dan left YouTube. But he came back. So really Mm. not a lot has changed since the last time you checked in. But in his video where he comes back, which is titled, Why I Quit YouTube.
1: Here I am. So
2: that begs the question. It turns out, despite everything, I can't help it. I love this
1: gosh darn hole. It is still strongly...
0: He uses none other than the The Icy YMI theme song, which I think is an Easter
1: egg to tell everyone (laughs) in the world that he loves us. Yes, that's definitely it. It's certainly not that he also paid to license the same song from the same database that we use. It's an Easter egg. (laughs) Well, you know, an Easter egg is a good way to get me to believe anything is real.
0: Of course. Thank you, Dan Howell, who I can only assume is listening to this podcast right now because you're such a big fan. We love you. Hi, Dan. Bye, Dan. That's all the time we have for fun today, unfortunately, (laughs) because, yes, that is correct. We are getting into Madison's favorite topic, a.k.a. talking about the trial that has broken the Internet. Why? We must?
1: (laughs) We must. Why? You going to answer?
0: Yes. I know you already discussed This battle between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard with our incredible guest host, Moises Mendez, on the episode, The Trial That Ruined TikTok. But I had COVID and I'm obsessed with this trial. So I'm overruling all the times you groaned in that segment to say that we have to talk about it again. That's why. Not you using COVID as an excuse. Can't argue with that. But there's also just so much there, Madison. There's toxic fandom and astroturfing, which if you don't know what that is, we will explain it later in the show. But there's Ben Shapiro spending thousands of dollars on anti-Amber Heard ads on Facebook. There's the YouTube reaction video economy. And of course, we cannot forget good old
1: fashioned American misogyny. Ah, yes, that I'm very familiar with. sounds like at least we're talking about something new although speaking of misogyny i will say based on my mentions after that episode in which we talked about this a little bit here's your friendly daily reminder <laughs> that uh women don't owe you anything when talking about abuse yeah that feels you know abundantly clear but for the people in the back if you don't agree with us that's okay we're going to talk about it anyway i guess as much as i hate that we're still talking about this i did open up tiktok today and find not an Amber Heard lip sync, but instead a guitarist strumming along chords in tune with the technical notes that Amber Heard was saying. Oh my God. She's, you know, weeping on the stand, giving testimony, and this guitarist is just strumming along. Like, it's a bad timeline. It is, and you and Moises got
0: into a lot of the bad timeline, specifically on TikTok. And while we cannot entirely avoid the clock app, On today's episode, we will mostly be getting into the trial's ubiquity outside of TikTok and the various many forces that have made it impossible to avoid what I am going to very tentatively and reticently call coverage of this trial. We're also going to talk about what's really at stake here. More on that after
1: just a quick break. All right, and we are back. Rachel, let's begin. First, I feel like to begin,
0: we have to kind of go before this trial and tell you what's not going on. Um, Something I feel like has perhaps been lost for people who aren't watching this trial, beaming the live coverage directly into their brain. This is not a criminal case. This case is not deciding whether or not Johnny Depp or Amber Heard are going to be charged with abuse or whether they're going to jail. That's not what's happening here.
1: And this is not to shame you, obviously, if you didn't know that or are just learning this, because there's a lot of forces at stake trying to make sure that you don't know this.
0: Yeah, this is actually a civil case deciding whether or not Heard defamed Depp by referring to herself as a victim of domestic abuse in a 2018 Washington Post article that for the first of many times I will say did not refer to Depp by name. Depp's lawyers instead argue that it was just so clear that when Heard was referring to herself as a victim of domestic abuse that it was talking about Johnny Depp and that the op-ed has cost Depp acting opportunities since then and so he sues Heard for 50 million dollars. Heard
1: Counter sued for $100 million, which, go big or go home, I guess. So what I'm getting here is this is a case about two sentences in a 2018 op-ed. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Also, importantly, the facts of this trial, which we don't really have time to get into, have already kind of been adjudicated. Depp lost a libel case in the United Kingdom two years ago against The Sun, the British tabloid. It had described him as a, quote, wife-beater. The UK court ruled that the Sun article on Heard's abuse claims was, quote, substantially true in ruling against him. So all the claims that are now being brought out in the United States have largely been deemed substantially true in another court. So that's what this trial is about. Understandably, you might have gotten a different impression if you spent any time on the internet in the past six weeks.
1: Amber Heard has officially
0: committed perjury on the stand under oath in the court of law.
2: Amber Heard snorting coke on the stand is the craziest thing I have ever seen.
0: A juror has reported that their house was broken into this past week. And people are saying right now that this could be a form of intimidation done by
1: Amber Heard's team.
2: Amber Heard is going to jail.
0: Once again, I must say. This trial does not in any way determine whether or not Amber Heard can go to jail. Thank you, Rachel. I just, I feel I'm going to say a lot of things multiple times. Members of the trial reaction economy are kind of quick to tell you that this is a civil case, a defamation case. They don't say it nearly enough. Not the TRE. Trial reaction economy, baby, which includes not just traditional media outlets like the Law and Crime Network, which has been live streaming the court case and (laughs) recently published a piece with the headline, Law and Crime Network hits record 330 million viewers on debt v. Heard coverage, which really lets you know, what is at stake here for Law
1: and Crime Network? (laughs) I saw a TikTok of some guy literally building an arc the other day, and you know, maybe it is time for another flood. Honestly, the TRE would find us there. The trial
0: reaction economy also includes a whole cottage industry of trial lawyers who have gone viral reacting and dissecting that streamed footage.
2: Hi, this is Bruce Rivers. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Criminal Lawyer Reacts. I'm Bruce Rivers, board-certified criminal defense lawyer. What's up, everyone? It's Peter Tregos, the lawyer you know, jumping on real quick to do a brief, quick, and instant reaction to Johnny Depp's attorney's Opening statements.
0: Welcome back to the afternoon of closing arguments on the last day of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard Defamation trial. I am legal analyst Emily D. Baker. Thank you, Lawners, for being here. A lot of it is pretty much a part of the reaction economy that we've talked about in previous industries, where the easiest way to go viral is to hop on already viral content. Some of these lawyers are saying they're using it as opportunities to teach people about civil law. Others are just saying there's nothing more, and this is a paraphrase, there's nothing more orgasmic than a good cross-examination. Former guest of the show, Jessica Lucas, actually wrote a really phenomenal piece on Input Mag about the YouTube lawyers who are getting famous off this trial. One of them she spoke with admitted to making $15,000 over the last 28 days doing both live commentary and daily summaries of the trial.
1: That's shocking to me, given that YouTube is, in fact, a platform that is known for rewarding, Mm level-headed, researched, and calm analysis. You know, can't imagine that the algorithm that drives you to extremes as fast as possible, you know, six videos and you've arrived at Nazis, you watch one video about holistic plant medicine, and the next thing you know, they're like, want to be an (laughs) anti-vaxxer? This platform?
0: Yeah, that platform In this case, the algorithm is incentivizing people to make the trial as entertaining as possible, which includes bringing on body language experts, heavy air quotes around experts, not least because body language analysis is largely pseudoscience.
1: Okay, so this is example one. Are there other, I know there are. Rachel, please tell me the other ways that YouTube is skewing coverage via algorithm.
0: So there are, in fact, too many ways to get into on this show. But one interesting, and I'm using that colloquially to mean fuck. The nuance of the trial coverage is that for some reason, a multitude of reasons, the only content that's getting these kind of insane amount of views is pro-dep content. The trial took place over six weeks. It just wrapped last week. Before, I would say about two weeks ago, it was honestly impossible to be served any pro herd content. And even finding it is still kind of impossible so if you're a trial lawyer or you know a video game live streamer who's really just Ah. trying to go viral you're gonna notice that the content that is getting the views which can then be monetized is all pro-depth which is how we get video titles like Top Johnny Depp comebacks and reactions to questioning while testifying. Or Johnny Depp expert colon how Amber Heard faked abuse evidence. Even people who absolutely have no reason, as in should not in any way touch this child, with a 10-foot pole, are piling on to Amber Heard in an attempt to get those views. It's not just trial lawyers who at the very least have a law degree. I We some... haven't
1: checked, but in theory... <laughs> I hope
0: they're not lying on the internet. Who would do that? Who? Whom? I mean, but speaking of lying,
1: I've, have you heard about the Milani of it all? I have a vague knowledge that there is some makeup plotline involved in this trial, and I know nothing more. And you're going to let me stay that way, right?
0: Uh-huh, yeah. Um. Cover your ears. There is a makeup plotline, and I think this plot line, more than anything, goes to show just how clickable and monetizable anti-Amber Heard content is. So one of the most viral moments from this trial came when one of Amber's lawyers held up a color correcting kit and said, this is what Amber carried in her purse for the entire relationship with Johnny Depp. So a color correcting kit for people who don't do makeup usually includes like a green, a white, a purple, and like a kind of orangey color. And you mix them together to make color theory and create a base that will cover up anything from bruises to zits to discoloration, like hyperpigmentation, things like that. So color correcting kits are very common. A Depp fan on TikTok noted that the specific kit that Amber's lawyer brought to court seemed to be from the cosmetics brand, Milani. Milani, the official verified brand, then decides to get it on this and made this video. What's happening in this video to the sound of a cutesy little backyard against Bob is someone from Milani pointing out that the specific color correcting kit the lawyer had was released in 2017, which is a year after Depp and Heard broke up. Depp's extremely rabid fan base took this as evidence that Heard was lying. That video is now the Milani TikTok's account most watched video with Over 5 million views. So when BuzzFeed reached out to Milani, they had this to say. Our video was to verify the claim that our eagle-eyed and loyal fan base made about the product named in the trial. Milani Cosmetics is not taking a formal stance on the trial, evidence, or future outcome of the case. Do you want to know why they can't take a formal stance on any of the evidence? No, because I
1: can't hear you, but yes, tell me.
0: Because Heard's lawyer quite literally never said that the specific color correcting kit that Heard carried was from Milani. All she said was that Heard learned about how to use specific colors to cover bruises. Milani's name has never been mentioned in
1: that courtroom, but Milani, the brand, got what they wanted, which is views. Okay, so the lawyer then was just using the makeup kit as a prop, as like a dramatic demonstration of like, here, this is a representation.
0: Yes, exactly. And importantly, someone just guessed that that was a Milani color correcting kit. There is actually no proof that the one she even held up was from Milani. So as content like this gets pumped out from verified brands like Milani and Duolingo or celebrities like Lance Bass, Casual observers are left with the overwhelming impression that the entire internet is against Amber Heard. On TikTok, the hashtag JusticeForJohnnyDepp now has 18.6 billion views as of the time of recording, while the hashtag JusticeForAmberHeard has 65.2 million views.
1: I feel like this is one of those moments where I wish I had a brain that was better at understanding spatially, numerically the difference between a billion and a million. Yes. I know that one is much larger than the other, but that is a huge difference. Like truly sometimes we talk about trends, right? It's like a, a gap of a few million or a hundred million. And like, that's a lot, but that's massive for two equal players in a online drama. Sounds wrong, but we'll call it an online drama.
0: Exactly. And, it's not entirely clear to someone who's just watching this happen, who doesn't actually want to be in any way involved in this trial, why that is. In a post Me Too world, where did this overwhelming support for Depp, a man with a, it's not controversial to say, deeply checkered past, come from? Is it just this fan base that he's managed to build over a four decade career? Is something else going on? And For me, the most important question I feel like I've had is what exactly does that rabbit overwhelming support mean for survivors of abuse
1: watching this trial? All really important questions we'll get into after just a quick break.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: Hi, ICYMI guys. If you love our podcast, then consider subscribing to Slate Plus. You'll get no ads on any Slate show and it will mean you're supporting our podcast. ICYMI would not be possible without your support and Slate Plus really helps us keep the show going. You'll get bonus segments and extra episodes on shows like Slow Burn, Hit Parade, Hang Up and Listen, the list goes on and on. Plus, you'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website. Access to every article and every juicy advice column without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit Slate.com slash I-C-Y-M-I plus to sign up. That's Slate.com slash I-C-Y-M-I plus.
0: And we're back with more of that trial. Madison, I feel like it's time for me to ask you a question. As someone who famously, on the record, has said you want nothing to do with this, what has your impression
1: been of who the internet is siding with over the past few weeks? Oh, 120% Johnny Depp both anecdotally in listening to people I know talk, in, in watching snippets of TikToks I didn't choose to watch. And frankly, I had kind of almost forgotten about... The best way to explain this is I went to see the new Fantastic Beast movie. I'm sorry, I did give that woman my money. And <laughs> it wasn't until I sat down and remembered, oh, they recast Johnny Depp in this, mm-hmm. that I started to recall all of the things I previously knew about Johnny Depp.
0: I don't know if this is true for you as well, and maybe it's because deep down I have some shred of hope for humanity left, but I was genuinely shocked by the level of support for Johnny Depp.
1: I shouldn't have been, but I was. I mean, Rachel, I think that's how you and I continue to be able to do this job day in, day out, is that that little shred. <laughs> that's your sanity. The thing about Depp's fan base is that it has
0: been... um incredibly mobilized and that's diplomatic over the past few years even before the uk trial in 2020 anytime amber heard was in the news if you and by you i mean me because i'm nosy searched her name on twitter you would just see tweet after tweet calling her a liar an abuser demanding justice for johnny
1: depp it sounds kinda orchestrated maybe that's the word i'm looking for yeah
0: yeah To me, it had all the markings of a classic alt-right men's rights campaign mixed with just like a smidgen of toxic fandom and like a healthy dash of misogyny. And the thing is, I don't think we're the only ones feeling this. There are people online with otherwise feminist leanings who are feeling that same kind of whiplash or ambivalence too, even if they say they're on Johnny's side.
2: So based on the evidence that I've heard so far, and this is Friday the 6th of May, I believe Johnny Depp has been abused by Amber Heard. But yesterday on Facebook, I saw a comment by a man who said, what if we let another woman down in Hollywood? And that's how I have been feeling.
0: I think that ambivalence comes from the fact that The evidence that people are hearing or that they're encountering, they aren't encountering, like, just organically. This isn't just some trial where the information is leaking out in an equal way. A Vice piece actually revealed that The Daily Wire, which was founded by Ben Shapiro, has spent tens of thousands of dollars pushing anti-HERD content on Facebook.
1: Man, I know trust but verify, but do you ever hear a piece of Reported information and just immediately go, yes, that makes sense.
0: And so people who I think otherwise would have either treated this trial as something to wait until the end to see what's happening are now being pumped with six weeks worth of anti-herd content that, listen, I don't have the resources to prove this, just the experience, but it feels AstroTurf to me. The existence of hashtags that have sprung up around the trial like hashtag who or Amber Heard is a psychopath with psychopaths spelled
1: incorrectly. It spells out AstroTurfing in these bright neon lights. Speaking of spelling out AstroTurfing, if you uh, looked that up in Merriam-Webster, and you actually can, uh, <laughs> it's defined as organized activity that is intended to create a false impression of a widespread, spontaneously arising grassroots movement in support, or in opposition to something like political policy, but that is in reality initiated and controlled by a concealed group or organization. TLDR, people paying to run anti-amber herd content on Facebook uh, and playing you into believing it was organic. And so it takes a lot more than a hunch to prove
0: bot activity, so take this with a grain of salt, but Again, I and you have spent years on the internet watching these campaigns unfold and finding out later that when researchers who have millions of dollars at their disposal have the time to look into this, they find out that this was all just a giant bot campaign. There are some signs that are very familiar to me. There are experts who have testified on behalf of Amber Heard who are
1: now having their businesses online reviews bombed. That's when a brigade of quote unquote people immediately go to like the Yelp page of a restaurant or a psychiatrist office or whatever and give a bunch of zero star reviews so that you can't actually find any useful information anymore.
0: And even people who don't actually have anything to do with the trial, as in aren't experts testifying, as in people who are just commenting on it in media, are dealing with what looks like coordinated, suspicious bot activity. One of those experts spoke to the Guardian after the UK libel case, and they said they reported about a hundred suspicious accounts who targeted him after he spoke about the trial. And when he checked again later, fifty to sixty of them were now
1: gone. I don't want to use the G word, but sounds a little like immigrant
0: <laughs> <Shmamer shmate. laughs>
1: shmamer shmamer shm- <laughs> Gamergate.
0: it is it's it's giving Gamergate unfortunately it's giving what these people wanted to give and just like Gamergate I feel like this trial has really long-ranging implications not least the Amber Heard is now being tried in a court of public opinion and the effect that will have on her career or on her mental state but the effect it has on survivors of abuse who have written about how harrowing it is to see an army of people, bots or not, mobilized to discredit herd. They've talked about what it feels like to hear or read over and over that this is not how a victim of abuse would act, which is, I feel like we shouldn't have to say it, but there is no specific way that victims of abuse should react or act. There's no right way to do that.
1: I just keep thinking about the fact that all of this springs from a post me too op-ed that didn't even mention Johnny Depp by name. That's that's the origin point. It's terrifying
0: because I mean, it feels like it's been at least, I don't know, a quarter of a century since me too, but do you remember the kind of glut of first person like testimony that happened in 2017, the amount of people
1: who spoke up and said essentially this happened to me too? Yes, I do work in the personal essay industrial complex. That is our business.
0: What this case that Depp has brought against her means is that all those people, even if they didn't name their abusers, are now opened up to civil cases from their abusers, who could claim that just based on the fact that you know, three of their friends saw their ex tweeting me to knew or assume they were talking about their ex, that's enough to say that you've been defamed. Like, the simple act of saying me too in a context where people might know your abuser could now open you up to a defamation
1: case. And obviously, I think it goes without saying that the stakes are different if your abuser is Johnny Depp and you are Amber Heard, but this will have implications for average people too. In fact, the impact might be bigger. It's actually
0: a lot harder to prove defamation against a celebrity or a public figure because you have to prove what's called actual malice, which means that in saying something that is inaccurate, you were doing it intentionally to harm them versus an average person, you don't have to prove actual malice. It just has to be proved both untrue and defamatory or libelous, aka harmful to the reputation. And we all know how well the legal system adjudicates gendered violence, so... Awesome. Just great. What I have been struck with over the past six weeks is just not even the facts of the trial have been particularly interesting to me. It's the effect this could have on survivors talking about their experiences online. I think that it is kind of impossible to overstate just how much of a chilling effect this could have. Most survivors, when they talk about their experiences, are already fearful of retribution. And if we allow a culture of filing defamation cases against survivors who will now have their trial litigated in public, I just don't think people are going to want to open themselves up to that.
1: Listening to all this, it sounds like the thing over the last six weeks that the world has just thrilled in forgetting is that the conversations we're having about this trial and frankly, the trial itself were never supposed to be entertainment.
0: Alright, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a courtroom analysis, to never miss me and Madison saying, hey, this is not supposed to be fun. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. That actually is fun. And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI
1: at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Rachel Hampton, and me, Madison Malone-Kircher. Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. See you online. Or not.